What's up, Harvest Church? Good morning to all of you, and happy graduation Sunday. Today, we are starting a new sermon series in the month of May called God's Plan. I want to sing the song every time I say, God's Plan. Okay, so you're going to have the privilege today of hearing from our youth pastor, Pastor Adam Parker. But first, I want to set up this series. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, put it right down there. God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. So God does have a plan and that plan includes prospering you, not just financially, but in every area, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, maritally, in every department of your life, God wants you to prosper and do well. It's part of his plan. And he has a future for you that you're going to hope for. It's going to be so good that you're going to long for that future. You've got something to look forward to because your future in Christ is very, very bright. Now, the only thing that God ever said, that Jesus ever said he would build was his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say he would build hospitals or schools. Nothing wrong with any of those things. They're, they can be really good. But Jesus said, my plan is to build my church. And that's how we're going to overcome darkness in the earth and reverse the works of darkness in the earth. We want to talk to you today and over the next few weeks about God's plan and that his plan is for all of mankind, for the whole world. And number two, he has a plan for you. So he has a plan for man, all of man, but he also has a plan for every man, every woman. He has a plan for every person. So in both those scenarios, in his plan for man and his plan for individuals, they both involve the local church. And I know, I get it, the church is flawed, it's not perfect, but it's God's plan. And the reason it's not perfect is because it involves people like you and I. No perfect people allowed, right? Well, God's plan is so good and so great that He can work, a perfect God can work through imperfect people to work His perfect plan in the earth. We're going to talk about that today and how the local church is a big part of that plan. I'll give you an example before we bounce it over to Pastor Adam. In many, many millennia ago, God had a plan to flood the earth. And so he told Noah, I'm going to wipe out all mankind by a flood, but I'm going to preserve you and your family, and I want you to build a boat, a really big boat. Here are the plans. It took Noah about a hundred years, we believe, to build the ark. And when the flood came, everyone that was in the plan of God were saved. Those who were not in the plan of God, they didn't work out so well. Now, if God's plan is the local church, you don't want to be in the middle of a storm or in the middle of a flood, whether it's a flood of God's goodness or a flood of calamity on the earth, and what if Noah would have said, you know what, this boat stinks. It smells like elephants and there's a leak in the roof. I'm out of here. It would not have gone well for Adam. Uh, sorry, for Noah. 
I'm getting Adam and Noah mixed up. Adam's gonna come preach. Noah was in the ark. We want you to stay in the ark. So stay in the boat. Don't jump ship. And in other words, like the prodigal son left, it would have been better for him if he would have stayed in the house. It's a phrase you're gonna hear Pastor Adam say several times today, stay in the house. Everybody say it with me right now, stay in the house. Good. Now, when the prodigal son came home, his messed up mean older brother was still there because there's imperfect people in the house, but it's still better to stay in the house. Hey, I love you, and I'm praying for you guys today, and I'm so excited for this message and this series, God's Plan. Would you please give it up and welcome to the stage our amazing youth pastor, Pastor Adam Parker. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest Church. How you guys doing today? Y'all doing all right? It's good to see you guys. Well, welcome, uh, everyone. I'm so, so honored, so excited about today. Uh, I've really been praying a lot about this and, and working with Pastor Kevin about this message and really uh, kind of the direction we want to go with this series. And I want to welcome everybody watching us online today as well, too. So good to see you guys as well. If this is your first time with us, uh, go ahead and take your phone out for me real, real quick and uh, text the word HCVIP to 319 are going to throw it on the screen for you. Uh, we just want to give you guys a free gift. If this is your first time here with us, just say, hey, thanks for worshiping with us today. Uh, so can y'all say this phrase with me real quick? Stay in the house. Can y'all say it? Stay in the house. And uh, I want to, as we were praying about this message and really a direction on how to start this series, uh, I wanted to kind of relive the moment that my wife and I first bought our first home. And uh, it was in August of 2017, and uh, we were so giddy about buying our first house, man. If you guys have ever bought your own home, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, you got all this excitement and stress all in the same, same boat, right? And so on top of that, my wife was right at about eight months pregnant. Come on, somebody. And uh, so she, uh, she was, you know, I'm not going to say nothing, but anyway, so, because uh, <laughs> she's in the front row and she'd kill me. Uh, but anyways, we were so excited and we had this moment where uh, we decided to go into the house. We went and looked at the house. We had a, a, a friend of ours that said, hey man, we're selling our house. And you know, when somebody tells you that they're selling their house, you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm probably not going to enjoy this whatsoever. And so we actually show up and we were just blown away. Like the moment that we pull into the parking lot uh, of, our, of, of the house, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. But the moment that everything changed is when we stepped foot through the front door. Uh, I can't tell you guys, it, it's so hard for me to try to describe it, but the moment we set foot in the door, there was like a fragrance in the air. Uh, we felt so, uh, like an overwhelming peace come on us uh, that we just, it, it was unimaginable. It was so crazy, the, the emotions and everything we felt. I may have gotten a little teary-eyed if I could just be honest up here. Because I, there was just something about being in our house, being, taking ownership of our house, being in a place where God has orchestrated and designed us to be, there is unspeakable joy and peace whenever you are in your house. And so I, I want to share this thought with you today because I think it, 
is a radical thought in today's Christian life that uh, who would have thought that if we just stay in church, we stay in God's house, things will all start to work out for the good of those who love him. It's a radical thought, I know. But the moment you step foot in this house, the moment that you step foot, start building connections with other people here, start getting in relationships with one another. I'm telling you guys, your life will begin to radically change. I can't tell you how many times I've met people in my life where uh, I have had relationships that have lasted far beyond, like uh, just have lasted a lifetime because we met in church. We stayed in the house. And so I want to bring your attention to our scripture today. If you have your Bible, which I trust you do, hopefully, and uh, if not, uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to start in verse 7. But I want to share this thought with you, that home is where the heart is. How many of you guys have heard that phrase before? The church, the local church, God's house, is the heartbeat of heaven. Everything that we do in this church, we are the vessels to bring the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. God's plan, God has had a plan since the foundations of the earth, and that is the local church. God has had an amazing plan, not only for you, but also for all of us collectively, which is the local church. I want to share this statistic with you real quick. This blew my mind when I was researching this, that the dropout rate for young adults in North America accelerates when they get older. Some studies have shown that while 69% say they were attending at age 17, they were going faithfully, no, not stopping every single week, that fell to 58% at age 18, and then 40% at age 19. Then once they reached their 20s, around one in three say they were attending church regularly. As a youth pastor, this absolutely breaks my heart. Because when I was coming up, that we, that's all we did, we go to youth group. That's all we would do is just go into the house. We would stay in the house. My mama, thank God for my mama. If y'all got some praying mamas out there, thank God for them. Because that woman would drag me into the church doors, whether I wanted to or not. And she would just take me there and put me right there because that is what I needed at the time. Even though I didn't see it, even though I didn't want to say it, that was what I needed. And so I want to encourage every parent in this place today, get your students in the house because there's relationships happening here. There is destinies being fulfilled right in this room. And as a youth pastor, hearing those statistics just breaks my heart. It makes me want to work even 100 hours a week just so that we can see all of Mobile teenagers come to know Jesus. We're passionate about it because we believe it. So I want to bring this scripture to you. I love the Bible, man. If you guys aren't reading the Bible, you should. It's amazing. So <laughs> I want to share this story with you. Exodus chapter 33 Verse 7, and then we're going to go from 7 to 11. So y'all bear with me here. It'll be on the screen. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, and he would call it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents. 
watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, which would mean the presence of God, would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing uh, at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Somebody say face to face. As one speaks to a friend. Then Moses will return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. It amazes me that Joshua was a teenager at this time. And he had a mentor uh, named Moses, who was the leader of the nation of Israel at this time. He had already brought them out of Egypt. He had delivered them from slavery and bondage. And now he would set up a tent to where he can go and meet with God. He would often go and meet there so that he can uh, see what the next directions are for the people and all that kind of stuff. Well, Joshua being underneath him, his Padawan, if you will, if you're any Star Wars fans in the room today. Uh, I don't really know anything else about Star Wars but that. So <laughs> there we go. But anyways, he would follow Moses, and they would uh, do everything together. They, they played Fortnite together. They did everything together. They would Snapchat each other. They would DM each other on Instagram. Man, when you coming over, we're going to play flag football later. Like they were best friends, not only best friends, but Moses was a mentor. But what I love about Joshua is that even though Moses got up, left the tent, Joshua had the persistence to stay put in the house. I'm praying that we raise up a generation in this house that is eager to stay in the presence of God. That when you come into the presence of God, your situations begin to change. Things begin to alter. Your identities begin to shift because everything God speaks into and touches, he always changes for the good. Behold, all things become new in Jesus. Joshua could have easily left the tent when Moses did, but he decided to stay behind and spend more time with God. Can I tell you that God will not exalt in public what he is not able to develop in private? God is eager to spend time with you. And if you don't believe me, let's read the scripture again. It says, the Lord uh, spoke with Moses face to face. Somebody say face to face. As one speaks to a friend. So here's my first point. If you guys are writing uh, notes, which I hope you are, if not, take this down. Write this down like PK likes to say. God wants you to know him for yourself. You cannot be dependent on someone else's faith. You have got to develop a faith of your own. Because God wants to know you individually. He wants to know everything about you, all your hurts, all your struggles, all your successes, all of your victories. He wants to know everything about you, and that comes with spending time with him in this house, in his house. Joshua could have got up and left. It would have been easy to do, but God loves to take your private moments and develop you. Do I have any Polaroid fans in the building today, like anybody that still likes to take Polaroid pictures? 
Well, one of the crazes about Polaroid pictures, like they're coming back in, y'all. Like we're tearing them up at youth group. I don't know about y'all, but we love them at youth. And so we'll, we'll shoot these Polaroid pictures, and, but you don't have the end result automatically. And so the Polaroid picture will come right out, and it kind of makes that little sound like... And it comes out, and you grab it, right? And then uh, this is what I love to do. You got to Taylor Swift it, baby. Shake it off, right? <laughs> and you're shaking it, you're shaking it, you're shaking it, and then all of a sudden you start to see a little bit of an image. Could it be that God, sometimes if you're going through a moment in your life where things seem shaky, when things seem out of order a little bit, could it be that God is developing you into the image that he wants you to be? Because I believe every single person in this room has a divine destiny that we're on the road toward right now. And what I love about our church is that we have these small groups. We have next steps, coffees is what we like to call them. We have different outlets for you to come, get connected, and find and do what God has called you to do. Amen. That is what we're all about. We are in the people developing business because our God is a developer. Our God loves to develop you into the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. And I believe it can happen in the house. You cannot be dependent on your, other, on your uncle's faith, your auntie's faith, your grandmama's faith. God wants to know you face to face. My second point for you today is God wants to teach you how to fight. The moment you come into this house and you come into any house rather, where God is, God will begin to develop you, but not only develop you, but begin to give you strategy for battles to come. And see, the, the thing about my life, I know in, in particular, is I'll have moments where I get so focused on the battle that I forget about the outcome that has already happened in my life. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. So if you guys are going through a battle just like I go through them as well, I want us as a church, I want us as a student ministry to not fight for victory, but fight from victory. Because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. We just celebrated Easter, had an amazing Easter service here a few weeks ago. And we celebrated what that season actually means. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for your and I sins. Every mistake, every situation that we would get wrong, he made right on the cross. But I'm so glad that it didn't stop there. They buried him. Then he rose again three days later, not only to give himself victory so that you can live from that victory for the rest of your life. You are victorious, ladies and gentlemen. And so many times we are wasting our time and our effort and energy on these battles that we have already won. We have already won. I firmly believe that because Joshua spent so much time in the tent, that that prepared him for what's to come in Joshua chapter 6. If you guys aren't familiar with the story, Moses dies, right? He never got to see the promised land. 
And so Joshua takes over, and he begins to lead over two million people. Oh, my good goodness. I mean, that is crazy. I have a hard time just leading myself sometimes, you know, but two million people? And so Joshua takes over. That's why you see in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord is telling him, be strong and courageous. He's telling him multiple times, be strong and courageous. And I believe the Lord is shouting that and declaring that to you today. Be strong and courageous. And so Joshua in chapter 6, he leads the people across the Jordan River. They get to the promised land. They get to see it in Joshua chapter 4. But they weren't able to really settle too much because there was a battle to, to have right next to that called the walls of Jericho. And so in Joshua chapter 6, God gives Joshua a strategy for battle. And I hope this helps you. This really encouraged me when God gave this to me. God's strategy for battle is always worship and praise. It's never, you can't do it on your own. You can't fight battles on your own. But with him, you can conquer anything. And so what did Joshua do? They began to march around the city of Jericho for six days. But here's the catch. They had no idea how long they were going to march. Some of y'all may feel like today you've been marching for forever, waiting on your promise to happen. So they keep marching, they keep marching, and at the end of every day, they would shout, give glory, honor, and praise to God. And so on the seventh day, they come around. I want to ask you guys a quick question. What would have happened if they stopped at lap six? They never would have got to see the promise. So lap seven, they come around, day seven, they come around, and they shout in the walls, Come falling down. I believe in this room, you guys are one shout away from your promise. God desires to know you for himself. God desires to communicate with you face to face as one would do with a friend. But it, it takes time, y'all. It takes time. Can I tell you, if I didn't communicate with my wife, do y'all know what would happen? That woman would hunt me down, come find me, be like, boy, why, you, why ain't you answering my text? You know what I'm saying? But if she responds and she sees that little left on red, you know, like on iMessage it says red at 9.51 a.m. or whatever, and I don't respond and within a certain amount of time, which normally means about an, a minute and 30 seconds for her, <laughs> if I don't respond in that time, then guess what she's doing? She's either FaceTiming me or calling me. Boy, why don't you answer my call or my text? But the moment I begin to build a relationship with her face-to-face, -face, communicate with her, the more I know about her, but here's the catch, the more I know about myself. And God desires to know you. Not only for you to know him, but for you to know who he's called you to be. God's strategy is always worship and praise. Did you guys know that 
when you give a shout of praise sometimes and when you're like, man, this is a crazy situation, but then you just start worshiping God, things have no other thought but to, to change. Did you know that God spoke the earth into existence by his voice? Your words have power. The Bible says there is power uh, in life and death within the tongue. You have the power to change your situation. You just have to speak to it. You just have to speak to it. Bottom line is you have to stay in the house. Stay in the house. This is where freedom happens in the house. This is where relationship happens in the house. Foundations are built in the house. Stories are altered and shifted in the house. Destinies are fulfilled in the house. Promises come to pass in the house. Relationships are restored in the house. Marriages are mended in the house. Things become brand new in the house. Can I tell you today, it is your right, it is your goal to stay in the house. Stay in the house. Somebody say, stay in the house. Stay in the house. I'm going to share this last story with you and this is the first of my seven closings. I'm just kidding, y'all. Don't, don't worry. It's all right. <clears throat> PK told me I could preach for two hours, and, you know, I got the material. I'm just kidding. Y'all are so tensed up right now. But one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, comes out of Luke chapter 15. And Jesus is telling the parable, or a short story, if you will, about a son who had lost his way. And so... Uh, you guys may know the story. It's called the prodigal son or the lost son, as some translations call it. And uh, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is talking about to his disciples about this story, and they were asking him about what the Father thinks and what the kingdom of heaven is actually like, and, and all kind of questions, just like you and I have on a daily basis, right? We have all these questions. So they're asking him these questions, and he would always answer with short stories to put it in their world, really. And so he starts telling this story about a prodigal son. And uh, before I get into this, the main point of this, I want to share with you today as we're reading this story. What is lost can always be found. So you have this son, you have a, 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 a dad who has two sons, and one of them decides to ask for his inheritance early. Back then, you would not get your inheritance unless the older brother or the actual father would pass away. And so what this son was actually doing was illegal in Jewish times back then. And so he was asking for his inheritance ahead of time. He was wanting that instant gratification. And so the, the father said, okay, well, if you want it, go ahead. He gives him everything, and the son decides to spend all of his money, all of his inheritance, all the wealth that his father would had laid, spent all those years laying for him, kept, kept up in storehouses for him, he went and spent it on wild living. And so, as fate would have it, he spent everything, and then he found himself in need. He had nothing left to his name. And so he decides to get uh, with this guy who is a, a servant at the time, and so he becomes a servant underneath the servant and starts uh, feeding pigs for a living. And so he got so desperate one day that he decided 
to lay down in the pig muck and mire and all that and begin to eat what they were eating. He was so desperate, so in need. But I love what the scripture says. This is so amazing. In verse 17, it says, the Bible says, he came to his senses. Did you know that God will meet you where you are? God will begin to start getting light bulbs going off in your head like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. This is not who you're called to be. This is not who you're destined to be. Get up. Get up and get out of here. He came to his senses, and so he starts rehearsing a script that he's going to give to his father when he gets back home. He's like, oh, man, what am I going to say? How am I going to, you know, make this right? How am I going to do this? So he starts talking like he's, you know, role-playing with his dad, you know, with the pigs. He's talking to the pigs, and they don't talk much. They can't really do anything, so he's talking to them, and he's like, man, I don't know how I can do this. So he's talking to the pigs and so then he decides to come back home and I love this y'all this oh man but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him I want to share this thought with you today, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you found yourself far from home, far away from the house. You've made decisions that have led you away. Maybe you've got mixed up with the wrong people or the wrong personalities, whatever the case may be today. Those of you that are watching online as well. What I love about this verse is that it shows that the father was eagerly awaiting his return. Like I could just see the father on the front porch, just sitting there anxiously on his tippy toes, just rocking back and forth. When is my son going to come home? I'm so ready to see him. And so the Bible says that he saw his son coming from a distance. He takes off running to go grab him and kiss him. And so the son backs away from him and he starts trying to go through the little script that he had rehearsed. But the father stopped him in mid-sentence and told his servants to say, hey, go get his robe. Go get the fancy things. Go get everything that he lost and gave up and give it back to him. We're about to celebrate because what was lost has now been found. And I'm telling you guys today that Jesus, the son of God, your Father in heaven is waiting eagerly for your return. Maybe you have strayed away. Maybe you've made poor decisions. Whatever the case is, ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that we serve a good God. He is a good, good Father, and He's patiently awaiting your return. And so I want to tell you guys, if you've found yourself far away, the house is always open. It's never too late to come home. Those of you watching online today, it's never too late to come home. It's always good to be in God's house. Because anywhere he shows up, <laughs> has no choice but to be made new. And so I want to ask you guys today to do yourself a favor. 
and start the streak. What does that mean? Well, as a youth pastor, you know, I have to stay hip up, you know, like I have to stay hip to the game, you know, buy all the new sneakers and all that kind of stuff, you know, to to keep it solid with these kids because I'm 30 now, so I may not be able to connect with them too much longer. I don't know. I'm praying about it. And, uh, but these jeans are getting really tight on my thighs. You know what I mean? And, uh, (laughs) and so, uh, we have this thing called uh, Snapchat. Maybe you guys have heard of it before, but uh, they have this thing where they can start streaks with people that they are connecting with on a regular basis. And now you're talking to the guy who watched a three-hour YouTube video on how to use Snapchat, all right? So I'm going to do my best to explain this to you. And so they would start these streaks with everybody, and they begin to snap each other and connect with each other on there. And the more streak you would get, the different emblems, the different emojis you would get. I think it would even throw confetti sometimes if you're really on fire, you know, that kind of deal. But one I could connect with is that the most beautiful thing about this is the Bible version app started doing it too. And so I start logging on. I'm like, man, 62 days in a row. Come on, Jesus, let's go. And I got the little fire emoji right there, and they throwing confetti on the Bible. The Bible is fun, y'all, I'm telling you. <laughs> and so I, I start reading the Bible like it's got me into to reading the Bible now because I'm starting to streak. I'm seeing my progress. And so what I want to challenge you guys with today as we end today's service, as we wrap up this, this uh, sermon today, is I want you guys to start a streak. I want you to start a streak reading his word because once the word, you start reading his word, the word has no choice but to get down deep in your inner parts and start working some things out in there. And I'm telling you, when the word starts getting into you, things start coming out to other people. And so you start spreading the good news and the great glory of God and things begin to alter in your destiny and you didn't even know it. Let the word get into you. And here's the thing. Here's, here's something that PK wanted me to tell you. I love this because I missed this part, but thank God for an amazing pastor who can catch it. So uh, it says, according to a recent poll, it is now called regular church attendance if you come to church eight times a year. I mean... <laughs> How can we expect to build kingdom connections if we only show up once in a blue moon? So the streak I really want you guys to start, I want to challenge you and encourage you to start. It's start a church attendance streak. Start a streak to where you can come and get involved and start going through next steps and get on a serve team and start volunteering with people because I'm telling you, we have a culture here that will change your life. How do you know that, Adam? Because I'm a part of it and it's changed mine. I can tell you guys story after story of how people have come in here on the rocks Looking for God to change their life. Students especially. And they come in here and they get completely life changed. And it is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. 
They connect with God, and not only that, they connect with each other. And they build relationships that not only start in the house, but they go out these four walls and they start doing and spreading destinies all over the place in their schools, in their work, in their family, in things. I'm telling you guys, we've had kids that would come to our youth group and their whole family would show up the next week because they believe in what we're doing and God is really changing folks' life. And you guys are helping build that. So I urge you to stay in the house. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Adam, I've, like the prodigal son, I've kind of fell away from home. I've left home and I've made some poor decisions. I've done things maybe I shouldn't have done or got connected with the wrong people. Whatever the case may be, ladies and gentlemen, if that's you today, I firmly believe that God is eagerly anticipating your return and he's inviting you into his house today. And if that's you today, all I want you to do for me is just slip up your hand and say, Adam, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus again. I need to know him face to face. I need to come back to the house and get to know him. If that's you, could you just slip your hand up for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Amen. I see you. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Hands going up all over. I see you. Amen. Come on, church, can we say this together all in one faith, all in accord, all as one big family under this amazing house? Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me purpose. So from this day forward, I live my life solely devoted to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a good hand clap of praise today? Amen. 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 Start the streak. Start the streak, ladies and gentlemen. I want to encourage you to start the streak.